Red Truth and White Lies, a podcast of two Canadas, one for the white settler and one for everyone else. I'm Nathan Thomas. I'm Andrew Brandt. I'm Nick LaMarche. And today we're going to be uh, talking with our friend and ally Nick LaMarche about cultural appropriation and how cultural appropriation versus um, appreciation, uh, white privilege is uh, not go hand in hand. What? <laughs> try that again. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I lost it for a minute. Oh, that. I had it. I had it. <laughs> oh, man. All right, let's not have the giggles. This is like the first time we've ever had the giggles. <laughs> drink your, your two-row coffee. <laughs> I need another one. There you go. Oh, coffee. Okay. You're listening to Red Truth and White Lies, a podcast of two Canadas, one for the white settler and one for everyone else. I'm Nathan Thomas. I'm Andrew Britt. And I'm Nick LaMarche. And today we're going to be talking about cultural appropriation versus appreciation. Ungwehue and the health care system will be next week. Yeah. But this week we're Let's gonna try that again. We're gonna try that again. Fuck. Listening to Red Truth and White Lies, a podcast of two Canadas, one for the white settler and one for everyone else. I'm Nathan Thomas. I'm Andrew Brandt. And I'm Nick LaMarche. And today we're going to be talking with Nick LaMarche about cultural appropriation versus appreciation. What is your take, Nick? My take on appreciation, um, anyway, good day, guys. Hello. Um, is, um, so I didn't really understand what a cultural appropriation was or, or the like appreciation of the differences between the two, probably until it was like the beginnings of, of uh, um, starting to help out uh, Ongahoe people. Um, I didn't know what that was. I didn't know what it meant. Uh, we were not told about that in school. We're not told about it anywhere, uh, especially in a settler society. So... Coming from a, a society that has no culture, 
why would we be talking about cultural appropriation? Because we know that the settler community uh, or the settler society appropriates everything and, and misrepresents it and abuses it and misuses it and things like that. So, um, you know, my, my take on it back then, that's what it is now. Uh, I'm very careful with uh, what I wear, what I what I buy as art to hang on my wall. Um, kind of worried about buying things like that uh, because I'm not Uncle Hoy mm-hmm. and I don't want to buy something that I'm not educated about and don't want right. to disrespect it. It's more out of a, a thing now. I don't, I don't have a fear to buy it. I just don't want to disrespect it if it is something sacred. Yeah, uh, most of the artwork, yeah, most of the artwork that we can buy uh, is sold by the artist, and you can ask them directly, or it's it's on there, and you can contact them on the back of the artwork and ask them, "Hey, I'm, I'm a settler. Can I buy this? Is you know, is that okay?" Yeah. Mm-hmm. Always ask is kind of what I would do, but you know, certainly uh, I wouldn't go out and you know if I saw any sort of headdress or costume or regalia or something like that in a shop, I certainly wouldn't buy it right around the streets in it. Um, I, I know right. it's just yeah, I would. I would 100%. probably take. Yeah, I'd probably take some, some pictures of it and then uh, I would. Uh, Contact some local Hawaii people and say, "Hey, uh, do you know who's, who this belongs to or where it came from? Uh, right. It's at this store. Come and get it." You know. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. So, so selling uh, cultural uh, regalia is very um, not appropriate at all. Uh, now, as for the other thing when you were saying an artist's uh, work or a piece, a hundred percent. When you're supporting uh, a native Ungwenhui artist. That is 100% appropriate, not uh, taking uh, cultural regalia and um, making it for, uh, monetizing for your own benefit. Right. And that that, uh, that aspect of it is also uh, where the, in, in lies the racism and uh, white privilege because uh, they don't understand the uh, significance behind uh, what why we wear uh, the uh, things that we wear. Yeah, people see um, an Ungwenhoi right. person putting a headdress um, from another Ungwenhoi person, but then, then they think, okay, well, that means I can do it too. No, it mm-hmm. doesn't. We're mm-hmm. buying it for a reason. That's right. There's a reason we're getting that, and it's a cultural reason, you know, and yeah, that's right. that, you know, we that we need to make with that person that's able to make it. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, man. And, and then appropriation doesn't just happen with Ungwenhoi culture either, you know. It, it, right, it happens right. with the Viking culture. There's a lot yeah. of heavy metal bands out there that have songs named after Valhalla or Odin or, you know, they, they uh, have, have Mjolnir, which stores Hammer, or um, the runes in their songs and, and things like that. And, and, you know, they have no clue at all what it is. And they're, they're a, a heavy metal band from North America. And, you know, one of them says, "Oh, um, you know, my, my, it's like, like you guys get my great, great, great grandmother or grandfather was a chieftain." Oh, really? How do you know that? There's no records. No. It, uh, there is a. I can't. I'm trying to remember the name of the band, but I can't off the top of my head. But anyway, it happens in all cultures. Um, what really bothers me is the appropriation of the medicine and the misuse of the medicine. 100%. That's uh, one of the biggest things, especially with tobacco. Uh, 
the tobacco that people use in cigarette and packages of cigarettes is far way different than the, uh, the tobacco that we use for ceremony. Uh, I'm sure most people can even see on our page how both of us are benefiting even from you, Nick. Uh, the uh, tobacco plants that we are growing now and those are going to be for ceremony later because we will dry them out and there will be no added chemicals right. going into that. That's what the biggest difference between that and the tobacco and the package of cigarettes is the chemicals that go into that, like the nicotine, the tar, the benzine, and well, those, I don't even those know what plants are different in a way that uh, they're from the original seeds. They're from, you know, they've been kept alive for generations and generations, for thousands of years, ever since. You know, Sky Woman fell because those right. are some of the seeds that she brought with her. So 100%. those, those are the ancient plants. Yeah. You know, and when they took took them away and appropriated them and did certain things with them, you know, they they destroyed it. They destroyed what that plant meant. They yep. destroyed the significance behind it, and they turned it into you know something that's completely against what we believe in. Hundred <laughs> percent. You know, so it's like a cigarette and tobacco that they have now is meant to destroy you where the tobacco that we have is meant to lift you up and communicate with the creator. That's correct. And creation. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's correct. And we can also give it as offerings. Exactly. That's what you yeah. do. All those spirit. That's right. The colonial system literally took one of the most sacred medicines to Ongohoi people, appropriated it, changed it, and sold it back to them, and now the people are getting sick. Yeah. People didn't smoke cigarettes or cigars until after the invasion, uh, until until post contact. Is, is right. uh, when tobacco came. I think it was in the mid 1500s. Tobacco started coming back over. Right, and that's when um, before that, the only way we would even uh, smoke it, even really, and it's not even smoking you it. Just inhale, or put it in your mouth and you let it go because it's the words, right? Yeah, the words come out of your mouth, so that's where you put the smoke is in your mouth, and then you let it go. That's right, and it just be into a, a peace pipe, yeah, or uh, um, some sort of pipe that uh, you would have fashioned yourself. Exactly, uh, and then it wasn't even necessarily like that either because you could hold it in your hands because it was all about spirit and then you burn the tobacco in the fire. Or you could do that as well, like I was that saying, was most, give, that give was your offering. Common thing. Yep, give your offering. Actually, it, was very, it, was, it wasn't as common for us, us as Mohawks to smoke out of a piece pipe. It was more common for us to burn it. Mm -hmm. as, as you go out west, it's more that way because they didn't really have a permanent fire, you know, because they were nomadic. They moved around and stuff like that out there. So when it came to us, we were more stable. We were like in a certain spot for about 60, 70 years. And then we shifted our village to let, allow that other vegetation to grow back and rehabilitate and stuff like that. That's why you can't really find anything, you know, of who, where we were, where we lived. That's why it's taking them so long because all of our stuff was back into the earth, back into the ground, you know, right. and we'd shift, shift, shift right. all the way around in like a circle. Right, you know, so all those things could just keep on regrowing all the way around. Right, you know, so I think it was in um, BC was uh, the actual last visual remnants of an actual village mm -hmm. uh, out that way. But even then, 
it's like obviously starting to have like the moss and everything grow over and like well, it's starting to go back into the earth now well there's a village in the states mohawk village already being uncovered it's already staked out and stuff like that mm-hmm. and uh you can probably go see it actually because the longhouses are marked out there you can see where the fires were yeah you can see where some of the bunks were you can see um some outside fire spots mm-hmm. um it's down near going to Jorge, um just outside of fondue new york and uh yeah, it's incredible down in there. That's amazing. And then, uh, Nick, you even, uh, as a farmer, then understand how fire is so beneficial to your fertile land and the growth of that. So uh, all the growth over of these settlements, then, you can imagine was amazingly fertile. Then. When you go to Gunajoharege and you walk through the, the uh, paths behind the farm, um, there's some streams and there's like a river and stuff like that. The Mohawk River is on the other side of the road, but there's streams and stuff that feed out and, uh, there's the mountains and stuff. You start going up in the mountains, the streams blow up. Mm. <laughs> like, it's cool. Pretty neat. They're like, they like go over the stuff cause, the, cause they're coming down the mountains. Right. So, uh, it's something to see, man. So what do you think about that, Nick? Sounds pretty cool. I'd love to go there one day. Love to see yeah. that. It's crazy. Yeah. It's, it's just like when you walk into those woods, it just turns. Turns. Yeah, yeah. it's like when you get rid of all of Western culture and appropriate yourself back to Mother Nature the way you were intended, you, you do. You get a clear mind. You go in with a set mind and you can come out feeling refreshed and energized. Because you become then one with Mother Nature and Earth again, and you can feel that. So that's a loss of spirit is what it is. That's, that's, what, that's what happens when somebody sees something and is like, oh, this is what, what's happening with it. Like, you observe it, and you're like, oh, well, then you go across, and you're seeing all these different, like, we all had it. Mm-hmm. Everybody had it in mm-hmm. We all had our own form, own version of that seed, of that plant, because it, it came from creation. So, mm-hmm. um They'd see us burning it. They'd see them smoking it. See us drying it. See all those different things, and they'd be like, "Oh, you know." Then see someone's putting it in our mouth and letting it go. But mm-hmm. so they're like, "Okay, well, let's try this." So they tried it, and they're like, "Shit, you know, we can sell this." And I believe the first bit of chew wasn't even for uh, like tobacco use. It was actually for medicine as well, because yeah. it, it like helped numb uh, toothaches and mm-hmm. things like of that nature, right? So you didn't, uh, you didn't even swallow that either. Like you, you know, you uh, purged that out, right? They saw us drying it, no, and that's what they, they saw us drying it, saw us smoking it, so they tried it, and they didn't do it right because they didn't understand it. That's right. It doesn't, yeah, and it's all about that understanding, like you said, Nick. That's the fu- the line between appropriating and appreciating. That's right. Yeah. You know? uh, exactly. Um, Whereas if they that... took it and did the right thing with it. That would have been a whole different story. A hundred percent. Right. right. One thing that comes to mind about appreciating the medicine, especially with Oyungo uh, Owe uh, or tobacco, is uh, uh, there was a, a caravan going around Bradford and Paris and uh, Caledonia on Sunday that I was part of. We all drove around with tobacco, and each site that we stopped at, we all prayed and put a pinch of tobacco down and, and a feast offering. Um, 
and then moved on to the next site. Uh, we were at the Grand River at one point at the beginning of the trip, and we put tobacco in the river uh, because water touches everything. You know, uh, just give offering of thanks for the water for providing life, and and ask that it helps to clean away all the all the toxins and the poisons. You know, take it away and cleanse the earth, and and uh, you know, offer apology and, and gratitude. Um, some of the people that were there, I noticed that they just reached in the little baggie and put the tobacco down right away. They didn't say anything. Uh, they didn't put any thought into it. So there's kind of a little bit of understanding there, but not 100%. Um, and even appreciating the tobacco itself for for what it can do and for what it does for us. It, it, it is a wonderful medicine. Uh, even, yeah. even me being fortunate enough to grow it this year really makes a difference in, in daily life. It's you get something back from it when you grow it. You know, the plants are happy because they know that they're doing they're going to be there for doing good. Yeah, I think um, one thing too is when we when we think about Guyana at Goa, I think we don't we don't have a word for sorry in our language. No, we don't. And so if we offer it, it's not common for us to offer an apology. So what we would do is we would kind of connect with it and um, empathize with the spirit of that water because we're going through the same effects it is that's that water right so because it's in us it's a part of us so it's like we can put that down and say we're understanding this we know what's happening um we're trying to change it you know we're trying to do better um you know and that's that offering of you know giving back to that spirit with that tobacco because that's such a sacred plant you know so it's your you're making that connection between yourself your physical body your spirit and the spirit of that water, and you're giving it back to it, you know. So it's um, it's a really uh, it's a ceremony, you yeah. know. Um, a rite of yeah, passage. It is, and uh, I find that if it's uh, there's more um, apologetic stuff within uh, the Handsome Lake Code, whereas in the Internet Goa, um, it's more you face you face the facts, you deal with what's happening. Um, and you try to change it, and you just move on, you move forward, you know? Um, because that's why we don't have a word for I'm sorry. That's why we don't have those things, because it's built on, this happened. You know, you can't change it. Mm-hmm. But you can learn from it, you can acknowledge it, and you can move on, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, thanks for that perspective. Yeah, I really, really see that. I'm, I'm, my book came earlier. You'll see it in your uh, book. <laughs> Yeah, I got, I got the guy in Aragoa, the Great Law of Peace book. It finally came. I've been waiting a couple of weeks for it. Um, I've actually been doing some online reading about Handsome Lake. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's learning, learning about, yeah, that's the book. Um, learning about the two sides of the ideals between it and, you know, how Handsome Lake came and brought religion back into the Haudenosaunee people. He was like a prophet kind of thing, but, you know, he was he was appropriating another person's culture to try and change his own. Um, yeah. Some of the stuff that I've read state that, you know, he basically sold out to the British without selling out to the British directly. And he was eating them up inside. And that's why he drank so much. Yeah. And would pour out, you know, go whore around with you know, as many women as he could. And he didn't care who it was or, or what the religion said. He was still out, you know, doing, doing uh, sinful things, even though, what he was trying to tell people you is do as I say, not as I do. But if you yeah. do, you can say I'm sorry and move on. That's right. Yeah. 
Yeah, and that's the idea behind it. I, um, <laughs> or the idea behind Aragoa. The thing is, um, I can't wait to get into the guy in Aragoa. I haven't had a chance to sit down and be focused enough to read it. I've been super busy, so. Yeah, see, that's a that's a big difference too. Um, is like with uh, Handsome Lake, you can you can apologize and be sorry, but then go ahead and do something again mm-hmm. and be like, oh, that happened again. Sorry, and you just know? repent, right? And repent. Whereas Diana at Goa, you understand what you did, you acknowledge what happened, you talk about it, and, don't and do then it don't do it again. <laughs> you know, because that shows that you have learned from your mistake. Exactly. Yeah, it shows growth. It shows. Yep. You know, being able to learn, build, think, use logic, use your mind. 100%. And that's why that's a rite of passage. Exactly. Because it's showing your growth. Yeah. Whereas that handsome, like, it doesn't allow for that kind of growth. It doesn't allow for growth. It allows you to repent and uh, continue to uh, do the same thing over. Yeah. Yeah, that's not right. You should learn from your mistakes. Uh, I look forward to to getting into that book, as I say, and I, I recommend that any settler out there who's curious about it get into it or just Google it to find out what it is. Uh, the Great Law of Peace, and it comes right up. It tells you all about it, where it came from, how it is literally the foundation of the constitution of both of the, the, the so-called countries that exist in North America. Um, and then you can really see the bastardized version of it when you sit down and look at those constitutions and look at the, how the founding fathers and, and uh, everybody wrote out how it's supposed to be. It's, it's kind of based on the same idea, but with, with the colonial ideals and capitalism involved, it just can't work. There, there's too much, uh, too much greed involved. And see, when somebody sits down and actually reads, uh, say, Guyana Goa or any of the other laws um, that are uh, indigenous to this, to Turtle Island, um, that's cultural appreciation because uh, everybody should actually do that. Any settler, anybody settler descent should learn about the law of the land that they're living on because mm-hmm. that is cultural appreciation. That, 100%. Then you'll learn what it's like to live there, how to deal with the people there, how to understand them better. You know, it'll open up the communication. Right. It'll help you understand that line between appropriation and appreciation. 100%. You know, as soon as you understand what the foundation of our understanding is, of who we are, then that's when you start to understand what you've done or haven't done or what you could do or what is possible, you know? That's right. So, and you'll be able to start seeing those different things like, oh, that's why that's that way. Oh, this is why this is that way. <laughs> like I even said to you, like, into that book, you're going to realize, oh, shit, that's why those guys are that way. That's you right. Know? <laughs> you know why? Because unlike the handsome lake, that tries to incorporate religious beliefs, uh, whereas the Guyana Goa was passed down from the peacekeeper uh, from time immemorial, right? Right, and there's people that try to hide it, like we've worked with couple people that have tried to hide it and we've since gotten rid of them that's right (laughs) and um yeah so when you look at the guy on a goal when you can remain steadfast and honest with yourself the rest of itself really plays out and shows its true colors then because we're able to uh understand where our mistakes might have been and we learn from them and we grow now building off of what you said uh, now, can you imagine, Nick, if way back in the day, 
if instead of Columbus coming here, now we went to uh, Italy or Spain or Portugal or, or Portugal or, or uh, Britain or yeah. whatever, we would be ha- we would have to recognize their laws and their uh, way of life, and we would understand that going in exactly. Where it's like not it, how is how isn't it not like going the other way now, right? Right. Because yeah, exactly. there's a there's a supremacy over there. That's right. <laughs> and they then when uh, they were on their travels, they viewed us as first as savages because we stood in their way of um, world dominance. Basically, world, world. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, Andrew, yeah. You mentioned the word supremacy there. That's that's a good thing. That's the first thing that came to mind because that's the mentality in so-called Canada and so-called USA, right? Yeah. Uh, right. Entirety of, of North America in both of these so-called countries, that supremacy idea exists. You know, people come here, they say, "Oh, I don't want these Muslims coming here, instituting Sharia law and all this stuff." And, you know, and then you get the real ignorant ones to say, "Oh, they're coming here to take my job." Well, that's not true. If if they're going to take anybody's job, it's the higher educated ones. And you know, there is immigration regulations. You have to have specific education to come here. They're not just fools and stupid people. And and the ones that, that are saying we want recognition of our religion too, that's not saying they want to take over and, and institute living in a Muslim or a communist or whatever country you think you're going to be living in. That's complete ignorance. All it is... All what it is is fear. They're asking acceptance. That's what they're asking for is acceptance. And you're right, Andrew. They're, these people are afraid. They're afraid well, of their own white fragility... And, and it's and, all of those things, right? Because uh, yeah. when you look at it, Nick, uh, they they are now trying to implement a system where they see how they went wrong by coming here and then just uh, invading and alien alienating all of us, and then they don't want to have that happen with the new set of people coming over. Just like you said, that would, would be the way because they are more educated. They are more suited for jobs. So now they have to taint that with the fact, oh, these people are immigrants and they're not as uh, well-rounded as us American people are. Right. Well, guess who is immigrants? Guess who the immigrants were? Right. Guess who was forced under reserves? That's right. Like, there's people in South Africa that call Canada an apartheid state and the United States. That's right. You know what the funny thing is about it? All these, all the people that complain about these the immigrants coming here and quote unquote taking our jobs they're they're taking the jobs that that the people here don't want to work like working on a farm right working in a grocery store That's working right. at a gas station working right. at fast food owning a variety store yeah you know owning owning uh, owning that gas station you know i i don't know very many settlers or or you know white people straight up yeah that own variety stores run variety stores own gas stations work on farms you know, they're not coming here taking anybody's job. Because that's hard work. That, that is hard work. They're coming here for the jobs that the, the, the laziness and the white privilege doesn't want to do anymore. Exactly. It's hard work and it's low pay. Hard work, low pay. You get treated like shit. That's right. Like, whether you're working in a field hoeing, hoeing weeds or, or you know, uh, bale and hay. Or standing in a, in a fast food restaurant, you're still going to make the same amount of money. You're going to get minimum wage. That's right. Yeah. 
That's right. Even when you're a farmer, you get, uh, like, you know, Nick, like, look at the food industry now as a farmer. Like, you're spending how much? I make less than minimum wage. You know, like, uh, if I told people how much, how much I didn't make, they would be like, well, how do you survive? Well, I don't have to buy food. That's how I survive. I have sovereignty. I don't rely on somebody to feed me. I rely on me to feed me. That's and it. When you when you have food sovereignty like that, like I mean, before I I started farming, my grocery bill was four four hundred and fifty dollars a month. Now my grocery bill is zero. Right, right. And then you add that up over twelve months, right? That's a mortgage. Exactly. And that what was it, how many episodes back we were just talking about how many food come how much food comes from North America to feed the rest of the world. Right. That's right. right. And uh, the uh, fast food industry appreciation. That's right. The fast food industry. Look at that billion dollar industry because nobody wants to work hard for their food. Nobody even wants to cook anymore, Nick. Right. No, nobody wants to cook anymore. You know, it's uh, the idea of convenience, and and there's no such thing as that anymore. It's going to cause a collapse. And that, that is a huge part of being disconnected from spirit. You know, spirit doesn't just live in the sky. Spirit lives in everything. Everything. Yeah, absolutely. That's why we have a hundred That gives thanks to every single thing. Every all the elements. Thing. And we start, like, we're from the bottom. Yeah. Ground up. I actually, I actually sat down the other day with an English version of the, of the uh, Thanksgiving address, the Hundred Valley Vodekwa, and I read through it. And as I was reading through it, you know, I just get this wash of, of awesome feelings. And, you know, it just feels like someone's hugging you and like so much gratitude and thanks, you know, and it was very emotional time. It was a great, great way to finish a meditation, sitting out by the pond, peaceful morning, you know, the geese are swimming around in the pond and I can hear the frogs making noise and the sun was just starting to come up. I love that time of day. It's a good time of day. Everything's just waking back up for another day and, you know, you give gratitude for all that. And and because of all that, we're here. What a what a great way to start the day. Um, following the guy in Aragoa and being connected with spirit has you know literally changed my life for the better, and it can change anybody's life. You know, you just have to reconnect with that spirit and reconnect with the self. People right. say right. that live in the city. I used to say, oh my God, I got to get out in the forest. I got to find myself. No, we are nature. That exists within us. It just helps us to find that in us when we're out there. Because that's, uh, that's why they say reconnect, right? Yeah. yeah, the city takes that away from you. You know, all the technology, all the vibration. Even if you can't hear it or see it or feel that vibration, it's there. You know, the five G, the Wi Fi, the electrical hum, the all the noise in the car. That's why my home. I don't do the best in the city. That's why it's called the concrete jungle. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a dead space. You know, to it have is. that connection with spirit, you, you, then you'll understand what appreciating the culture is compared to appropriating the culture. That's correct. Exactly. Yes. And, uh, yeah. So, yeah, once you want to, you really step back and you look at how we follow Gaiana Goa, then you can actually realize how we are giving thanks, like, uh saying from the ground up because we need everything from the ground up even from like the littlest insects to the tiniest speck of dirt and we need each other that's why we give thanks to the people in there too we do but we are one of the last ones exactly yeah that's why we're the first ones to 
we give thanks to each other first, and then we start giving thanks to everyone else, because we depend on all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, we depend on each other to make sure that we maintain all of the stuff. You know, we do all the work to maintain, That's right. you know, that balance between ourselves and nature. And that's, that's right. why, like, some when we don't understand why somebody won't help us if we're in, you know, if we need help when we're sick or, you know, different things like that. So that's why next week what we're going to talk about is Ongwahuwa um, people and the healthcare system. That's right. Because there's a lot of been, you know, there's been literal deaths waiting in emergency rooms, um, pauses on surgeries, um, diff diff different things that are just, you know, affect indigenous people more than they affect um, non-indigenous people.